Vampire Survivors, Ghosts, Horizon Zero Dawn, the board game. This is staying in. I don't know how to break it to you. I don't even know if this will go in the podcast, but... Um... <laughs> Good start. I realised I had one of these. Oh, is it a little hard drive? It's a one terabyte SSD hard drive. All right, okay, cool. So I have one of these kicking around. What's on it? Um, nothing. I bought it brand new and then forgot I had it. And then... Oh, money bags, Wellington? Uh, oh, my, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and one of the reasons I bought it is because in the year of our Lord 2023, uh, I've decided that I'm going to rip all of my CDs using Windows Media Player uh, <laughs> and put them onto my hard drive because I... I've, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Some some strange compulsion. And then put the actual CDs themselves up into the loft and rip all of the DVDs that I have. Because, you know, got a few. Can can you still do that? I feel like that's like that's like such an old-fashioned thing that actually just computers forgot how to do that now. Yeah. Like they, they dropped that feature a while back because who who was still doing it? What sort of person even has a CD drive anymore? Um, so, you know, uh, if at some point you hit a, a Windows key on your keyboard and type in music, uh, it has like two players. There are actually two things on mm-hmm. Windows 10 that will do exactly the same is it, thing. Is it Groove? Is it, It's like Windows Media Player and then Groove. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Groove Music and Windows Media Player. And um, I've got it to the point now where I can just put a disc in, it rips it, Spits it automatically back out. I chuck another disc in. You know, you know. I can put in a copy of the Cardigans Gran Turismo. That rips it. Spits it back out. Put in No Effects Punkin Drum Lake. <laughs> rips it. Spits it back out. Lincoln Park's Hybrid Theory. Rips it. Spits oh, it out. Like really cutting edge music. And 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 at what point does your mum tell you to go to bed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't. I'm trying to get my Winamp settings sorted. Because Pete, Pete, I stayed at yours, and yeah. there was kind of the there was like a, a kind of a bit of a COVID scare. We weren't sure if we had COVID, yeah. so I was waiting a worry to be able to leave my house to go and see my partner mm. on the outcome of your COVID result. And I was messaging I messaged you at night twenty five past nine in the morning, yeah. saying, "Have you tested yet? Are you okay, buddy?" Yeah, I heard nothing from you. Yeah, and for the nothing. whole day, mm. and I was like, "Oh my gosh, he must have gone down with it. It must have hit him really yeah. hard." Until I got a text to you about like half three, four o'clock in the afternoon. No, actually, I think it was about five. Saying, "Sorry, mate, ripping CDs all day." <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're lucky I didn't message you on MSN Messenger to tell <laughs> you the, the, that fact. To be honest, I, I don't. I I really don't blame you. Like, I just had. I was at my in-laws the other day, and I kid you not, we had a thirty-minute discussion about how to access. The first seven seasons of Doc Martin on on the streaming on on a streaming service, and like because <laughs> and we were like we were talking, and my wife's mum was just like, "Oh, I really want to watch Doc Martin from the start." Like you do, yeah, of course. I mean, every every true red blooded British person decides that they want to watch the series. It doesn't make sense otherwise. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. And just like I just can't find it on any of the streaming services, and I was like, mm. I did a cursory look on online. It's like, well, it's available on BritBox, and I'm like, yeah, but BritBox is now ITV X, but they haven't. How ITV X don't have all the current catalog of BritBox. You can get the current catalog of BritBox through the Amazon Prime yep. Video 
app and they were like well but how do i do that one and like it's i mean i thought we weren't there yet but it appears like we've already reached saturation point in terms of where is my media and on what device and to add to that warner brothers just walking around going yeah delete that delete that what's that (laughs) delete that westworld no one likes that delete that never heard of it (laughs) get rid of that like i do not blame you one like i am really now coveting the fact that i've got all five seasons of the wire still on dvd and i'm i'm seriously thinking about investing in some way to get other things i like on some sort of media that i know i can keep and have because Mm. i do not trust no any no service because a there's people going around with too much money just deleting stuff they don't understand and don't like and b i think the streaming bubble is going to burst a lot sooner than possibly many of us expected so i was looking into um there's a, a brilliant piece of software called plex and basically with plex you can the whole point of it is that you can stream from a device uh, from a device usually a computer or a network or something like that and you can stream it to any device that you've got mm-hmm. and uh it kind of works like like netflix except it's the netflix that you've made out of your own files and obviously you know yeah um, I'm sure there are some uh, cheeky people who go and get those uh, dodgily off some website. But honestly, the easiest thing you can do is just rip a DVD that you have of your own and chuck it up onto there as, a, as an MP4 file. Um, and you can stream it around the house and flawlessly and it works brilliantly, you know. <laughs> Watching a movie in the kitchen, move yeah. to the living room, still there, move still upstairs, there. still, still there. there. Every room's got a projector in it. Exactly. Yeah, now you know why there was a TV in the bathroom, Chris. Yeah, you sit, you sit on the toilet and then a screen lowers from the ceiling. <laughs> So, you know, that's really, really good. But one of the other things that offers at the moment that I didn't realize because I hadn't used it for a little while and I was looking into it when I was ripping all my copies of uh, (laughs) Raised Fist's album Dedication. Um, Oh, my gosh. uh, They now have a thing whereby you can search for a piece of content on Plex and it will tell you exactly which streaming platform that that content exists on and then direct you immediately to go and use that uh, streaming platform. Oh, brilliant. It's really good. There is another app that does that, weirdly, which I'm assuming you can only get on Apple devices. And it's actually the Apple TV app. If you type in, like, as we're talking here, I've just typed in Doc Martin, and it's come up saying that it's on ITVX. Like it, right. so if I'm looking, if I'm ever wondering for something, I'll always type it in, and it'll always bring it up because if you if it's not on a service, you can download it from them, you can rent it or buy it or stuff like that. But I use the Apple TV thing, even though I don't. This is just the app. I don't. Have, I'm not subscribed to Apple TV at the moment, but it'll it'll mm. search through it and it'll tell you yes, it's on Netflix, and it click this and it'll open up your Netflix app and stuff like that. Mm. I think I think the Amazon Fire Stick does something similar. It's fascinating yeah. because that, mm. that feels like the that feels like one of the horsemen of the streaming apocalypse of like yeah. of like a service which tells you which other services you can get that content on. Because can you imagine like back in the day where like all the discussions around things like Netflix were like, wow, it's just so convenient to have everything in one place. Well, that's that that's basically what Apple are trying. Uh, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. This is this isn't a new app. This is quite old app now, but. Like that's what they're trying to do is be that one-stop shop. I just purely use it for the convenience of where's Parks and Rec now? Oh, it's on there. Okay. Oh, it's on there. I'll, I'll sign up for another streaming service. It's on Freevee. Uh, yeah. Yay. Which used to be IMDb TV, 
but it's now Free V. Oh, I remember God. Doc Martin fans, only series eight and nine are on ITVX. So oh my God. It's a shame. Do you reckon we'll ever get that wire Doc Martin crossover they've been mooting? <laughs> Martin Clunes in Baltimore. I was going to say, is it Doc Martin in Baltimore or is it or is it Detective McNulty on the streets of Whitby <laughs> or wherever it was? Where was it? I don't Where know. I've never watched it? I went there. I went to go and visit there. Um, not not like on a Doc Martin pilgrimage. It was close <laughs> to where my brother was getting married. And like we were walking down the streets and I was just like, this is some of the buildings that you may have seen in the ITV series Doc Martin. It was It was lovely. Almost lost my child there as well, which is which is great, great story. Almost a Doc Martin story, isn't it? That. Can I tell you of one of my pleasures of an evening most recently? Uh, yep. I if, mean, yep. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what you're going to say. Like, we do use a clean tag on this podcast, so yeah. I mean, I am in bed. All right, going in the wrong direction already, but yeah, let's go. <laughs> And I'm utilising two of my wonderful gifts I got for Christmas. Okay. One of which was a V pillow from my brother-in-law. You're going to have to explain what a V pillow is because that sounds to me like... <laughs> that, that sounds seems, like a virtual that, pillow. Hang on, isn't it like a V pillow like some no, of the pregnant women have? It sounds to me like you might find an anime character on it, but let's, let's find out. Exactly, out of everyone on this call... I, I expected you not to be the person I needed to <laughs> to explain what a V pillow is. A, a V pillow is just a pillow in the shape of a V. And yes, uh, Dan, you are kind of right. Pregnant women can use it as a, a reliever. It's not the prime, like a bump wedge is very much just for pregnant women. But a V pillow has multiple different uses. Yes, you can have it in between your gusset as a back um, stress reliever, which is sometimes what I do when I get a bit of a bad back, take the pressure off, slip mm-hmm. my V pillow in, um, and then cuddle <laughs> one of the Vs. Um, <laughs> Your choice of words is impressive. <laughs> mm-hmm. But primarily, it's just um, when you're sitting up in bed, it's a it's a, a, a V shape. Both me and my wife now have one, so we now have a W bed or an M bed, depending on which way they're pointed. So you have like the base of the v behind your neck and then you have the two lines of the v running down your sternum so supporting you as you're doing stuff in bed like reading like a life jacket we have spent an inordinate amount of time on this podcast talking about your new pillow (laughs) i know but they're incredible dan and then when you go to sleep you turn on your side and you can just snuggle into one of the one of the uh, the braces to be fair i did recently get like a memory foam emma pillow so i've i've also changed my pillow habits is that like a giant E, Dan? Yes, yes. It's, a, it's in the shape of woman. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so what I do is, well, now, now I go to bed. Uh, is this is another hack, Sam? <laughs> no. I have my V pillow placed behind my head, and then I slip in underneath my pillow by other um, excellent present that I got from my wife for Christmas, which is something called a Sony Sleep. It's basically like a pill, what I would describe as like a pill sound bar. So it's a sound bar that looks a little bit like the like a pill. I think it, that was a, a, a Beats by Dre product. Yeah. But it's a very, very small sound bar. Oh, I remember. But yeah. instead yeah. of using instead of using acoustic speakers to transmit the sound, it uses bone conductive uh, technology, which is both the biggest positive of it and the biggest letdown because you have to be quite squashed into it. <laughs> to really get the sound to <laughs> to resonate. 
But the positive of that is, is that you're really not disturbing anyone that you're sharing the bed with because the sound is only vibrating your skull, so only you can hear it. So now I've painted that picture mm. and I've told you the tools that I'm using. Yeah. I reach down, I bring onto the bed my mm. Steam Deck. Yep. And I load up my copy of Vampire Survivors. Here we uh, go. And that's me. We got there eventually. <laughs> and that's me for an evening, just twirling my thumbstick. That <laughs> sounds delightful. Um, it's mad how Vampire Survivors was probably the best game of last year. Uh, equal maybe only to Marvel Snap. Um, like, um, <laughs> I... I can't believe how like little I wanted to get into this game and then immediately as soon as I started playing I went oh no it's brilliant like <laughs> why because it was just it looked like it would sap your time or it's the classic early access it looks like mm. on the outside somebody who looks at a lot of games it looks like the classic go get some assets that don't really mesh together at all well uh, no. Call the game early access, release it on Steam for very little money, and then uh, and combine a bunch of different genre keywords, roguelike, uh, you know, survival. Yeah. I mean, it's not even got any vampires in it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> really? But like combining a bunch of these keywords together that are the classic indie, we're having a little, <laughs> we're having a little try. Um, uh, and it just felt like... I, I, it just felt like I was just going to hate it, right? Yeah. But my God, what a game. Like, oh. like it's it's the quintessentially brilliant version of an early access game whereby they've whittled down the game to the barest minimum that it can possibly be and just crafted it to a point where it's so enjoyable to play. Um so precise in its control and then once they've got that down they've gone right let's add a load of stuff like yeah it's amazing um i, I don't know how to best describe it i mean like roguelike bullet hell it's like it's it basically it's a bullet hell in reverse can you explain that in layman's terms in in bullet hell you are essentially a pin Right, so most bullet hell shooters, you're actually a little circle, and the character around you, around that little circle that you're controlling, doesn't really count. You can actually rub that character up against anything. There's no hit detection there. It's just this tiny little pin on the screen. Um, and these bullet hell games might be things like Espigaluda, Radiant Silver Gun, uh, what's the what's the uh, Ikaruga, uh, um, yes. Patchy, those kinds of games, um, and uh, whereas in those games, the main thing that you're trying to do is you are shooting enemies. They're, they're usually vertical scrolling uh, shooters and tr trying to chase high scores. But the main thing you're trying to do is really just survive to get this pin through um, usually a screen that is just filled with, with, with bullets usually. And that's why it's called a bullet hell shooter. It's kind of an offshoot of the side scrolling shooters like um, R-Type and Gradius. So with Vampire Survivors... You still have your pin. You still have your character who is essentially this teensy little pin in the middle. And you don't want to get hit by stuff because you've got a little health bar and it goes down every single time you get hit. You automatically shoot from the character. 
And you're moving around these, it's a 2D game top down and you're moving around this, this plane and you're essentially trying to go through graveyards and stuff like that. It's one big arena essentially that continues to scroll. Um, and you automatically shoot enemies as they come towards you and then pick up additional power-ups that power up your abilities. So uh, you'll start with a magic wand, let's say, which shoots a single projectile and then you might pick up another magic wand and that will mean that you can shoot two. You might pick up a third and it might mean that you that magic wand gets more powerful, it deals more damage each time because the enemies also scale up with you. So they are getting more and more and more powerful as you are getting more and more and more powerful and they're also getting more numerous. So the first thing that you see is like, maybe you got like three or four enemies coming after you for like a few seconds. Then you realize there's like 10 and 20. And by the end, the screen is just filled with enemies. And I mean yeah. filled with enemies. Like You can't see anything. Yeah. Because I think the thing that I find quite interesting about it strategically is, that, yes, it's automatically shooting, but that's not a continuous burst. It's pulsing. And it's about timing it right so that when you encounter these enemies, it's, mm-hmm. at, it's at the time you know you're firing. That's the interesting kind of dance. It, so with some of the weapons, yes. Yeah. So for example, yes. with the, the knives that you throw out, yeah, absolutely. Some of them, they are just, uh, some of them will be things like lightning strikes, which you don't really have that much control over where they go. So you're just wandering around and it kind of acts as an area of effect. Garlic, which is like, oh, amazing. Oh. One, of my, one of my favorite weapons in the game. <laughs> my main man, Poe. Absolutely. <laughs> my main man. <laughs> Pull one out for pro. <laughs> <laughs> He's not dead. Has a radius. Uh, uh, he has like. A, he dies a lot for the me. The garlic has a radius effect. So it's constantly active or basically constantly active. But you have to know what these weapons do in order to get mm. the maximum use out of them. For me, for me, that's the strategy. Yeah. Chris makes this noise where he is really on edge, where he yeah. kind of breathes in and goes, ooh. Yeah. yeah. And it's a sound we all love. Yeah. You hear it a lot when he was playing Hot Hot Wheels Unleashed. Yeah. Yeah. Can we hear the sound now, Chris? <laughs> Imagine that coming down the headset. And uh the first early moments of Vampire Survivors, I was pretty much always making that that sound. Like I described the first hours of Vampire Survivors as butt clenchingly Moorish. Yeah. Like the amount of times <laughs> you're just squeaking through a level just trying to eke out another 10 or 20 seconds or even another minute onto your time because each stage is is time limited from 15 minutes to to 30 and you just all you're literally trust trying to do is is survive then as the game goes on you buy more power-ups which are, are persistent on your on your character suddenly the game becomes a lot simpler in terms of you've got more health you move a bit faster your pickups uh, are generally more powerful from the outset your your gathering more experience with every kill. And then the game completely changes into this strategic idle game, almost like a cookie clicker, Mm. where all you're really doing is experimenting with builds and experimenting with actual, like, the structures of your character and trying to... And this is the thing that surprises me the most about Vampire Survivors, is explore the world to find secrets in order to boost your weapons and boost your your characters and improve your mm. improve your builds and and sometimes I just go in I just feel like right I'm going to make a I'm going to pick this starting character and I'm going to go and I'm going to experiment with this weapon and see how far I can evolve it how far I can yeah. upgrade it or I'm going to experiment with these two weapons to see how they coexist with each other and I love how that game just 
shifts over the course. Like I've I've played it for like ten hours plus. Like I, I I love how it shifts over the course of that of that game. So it it doesn't just stay where it is. It evolves and 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 it changes itself just over that time. I think it's I think it's masterful. And there is still dexterous skill involved it isn't simply a case of like you can just sit there and and do nothing while the game goes on and like just think about what build it is that you need you still need a bunch of skill to keep going with it but those yeah. those kinds of skills change and and actually when you first play the game your you, your immediate reaction is run away from all the enemies as quickly as you possibly can yes. stay away from everything that you can and you realize that actually the the, the closest comparison i would give it is do you ever play like Burnout 3 and like back in the day where like you'd play games where you'd get like a near miss. A lot of yeah. the game for me comes down to teetering on the edge between getting close enough to the enemies that you can pick up their uh, the experience orbs that they, they chuck out, but stay far enough away so that if something unexpected happens, you can still react to it. And there's still <laughs> moments late in the game where, you know... There's still moments late in the game where um, you're able to, you know, you will still have to thread the needle where you're really trying to move through like very large crowds of enemies and thinking, okay, I need to choose this power up next because basically there's no yeah. way I can survive this kind of stuff if I keep going this way. I, I think I had I had an interesting, I've had an interesting kind of experience of playing it because you guys started playing it and you started kind of sharing kind of images on on like the what our whatsapp oh, yeah. group so i'd get these kind of images come up like game over and it was like kind of like 20,000 enemies and it all looked crazy and all that so i thought i'll have a go and i started playing it and like i'd i'd thought i'd done quite well and i finished i look okay i've got i don't know i got to level 23 and killed a thousand enemies and i looked at you guys and you're on like level 40 i'm like oh it's it's going to be another one of these games where i'm just not very good and i'm not going to really enjoy it and then kind of as you say i started kind of getting to know a bit more of the weapons and understanding mm. them a bit more and realizing for example the garlic like if you have that if you get that early like you can stand still and like the enemies, <laughs> the smaller enemies who come to you won't be able to get through. So you'll just be able to churn and grind your way through loads of the early levels just doing that. I think I got one point, I tried it out and I, just, I got to be like level 32, just standing still. At that point, kind of, I was getting overwhelmed at that point. And so I've, I've kind of been playing it more and more. And I've been playing it a lot, and like the mm. first time I realised what you could, there, you can complete a stage. There is there is an that end was point. A, that was a mm. revelation. Up until that point, I just assumed it was just like how high can you go, how long can yeah. you last? Yeah. And then it pops up saying stage completed. I was like, what? Um, the more I found myself experimenting, I started understanding a bit more, and I was getting to the, like the levels that you guys were. I was like, okay, I'm 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 getting this now. Mm. What it does brilliantly compared to Marvel Snap is the way it introduces new mechanics. Just as you are starting to kind of get yep. tired of it, it says, yeah. okay, here's the hyper feature, which means certain things are going to change and it changes again. Now here's uh, Arcana, which is now you can have these special cards, which are going to change the way the game plays, change how some of what? the weapons play. Um, what? Oh my god! What? Damn! What, what are, you are you talking about? about? Oh no! Am I spoiling things? 
Oh my god! Yes, you are. I have no idea. What? Do you want me to spoil more? Because there's more. Oh. Sorry, I'm just laughing at the fact that because <laughs> I got to a card quite a while ago. <laughs> but the joy is, I have. I honestly have no idea how you've got there. But now I'm really excited that one day I will, and that's the joy of the game is that, as you're saying, Dan, quite rightly, how it meters everything out. So. Either you're growing with the experience, like like the beginning sort of first hours, or the experience is growing around you. It's just absolutely sublime. And I think that's that just comes from that early access time that Pete was saying. Like, I think they've gathered so much data from the people playing it. They know exactly when to make these drops to keep people involved. I think the other, the other thing that it makes me feel is nostalgic. And obviously, partly that's the pixel art and, and all that sort of stuff. But actually, mostly it comes from what we've been discussing here of this idea of like, oh, you found the... It reminds me of those conversations yeah, yeah, where you'd be yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. you found the secret level on <laughs> level four. I had no idea about that. Like, that level of discussion is just something that you very rarely get now. And I don't know whether or not this is possible. I don't want to know either uh, until I find out for myself. But like... I have a feeling that I can cheat death in the game. I have a feeling that yeah. like, like, I, I think mm. I might be able to do it, but I don't know how. And the fact is that like, maybe I can't, but it feels like one of those things of like, oh, did you know that if you jump up and hold down on level two of Mario Brothers, then you fall through the background, you can run all the way to the end. Just to fill people in and Chris, because I don't know if Chris has got to see death yet, but when you reach the time limit of that set stage, death comes along and and and... and unavoidably kills you yeah yeah kind of instant kill and it took me a while to before i realized that was what was happening yeah yeah and i think the thing that's the most interesting for or one of the most interesting things for me with this is that because it completely subverted my expectations it wasn't just another early access game an indie company giving it a go and using loads of words to to try and sell it to a bunch of people there actually feels like there's a lot of heart to it and to the team that's making it. So the team that's making it is a company called Ponkel. Great name. Um, and very recently, there was an interview with one of them where they said, because uh, they, they only recently brought it back to mobile. So it actually did go to Android quite early on and then they took it down again because I believe they changed engines at one point uh, and the, the old mobile version just didn't keep up. But... There's an interview with one of them where they were asked, why did you do the the mobile version in-house? And they their answer was, because we couldn't find a mobile games company that didn't want to make the monetization awful, right? Mm-hmm. And they and the monetization on this, so this is a free download, right, on, on mobile. You have to pay a few quid, I think it is. It's almost nothing on, you know... I think I played like three pound fifty for it on Steam. Right, so you know, it, it's 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 quite affordable. It's free on mobile uh, on Android certainly, um, and the monetization mechanic in it is uh, yo. It's the exact same game, uh, but if you want a revive, one revive, uh, seemingly at random, at the end when you get killed by something, uh, you have to watch an ad, and if you want to double the gold that you get, then you have to watch an ad. But if you don't want to do any of those things, the game will never give you an advert. There are no banner ads. There's nothing. It just goes, this it, This is purely opt-in if you want to do this for this little bonus and reward, which, by the way, has essentially no bearing on the game whatsoever. Yeah. 
Um, if you want to do that, you can. I don't think I've. I don't, I don't think there's another game where I've watched as many ads as Vampire Survivors because I'm like, oh yes, right. yes, I do want to revive. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. Yes, I do want another five hundred. No wonder coins. he's got so far. Yeah, yeah. But like, but like, it's also it also manages to, to to tread that line where it just isn't pay to win. Like you can also just get that bonus yourself. You can unlock it with coins. You can unlock this. Yeah. Um, hey, do you want to revive once with the, with, with coins as part of the actual normal mechanics of the game rather than free to play mechanics. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's actually really good about that is in other free to play games where you've got kind of a little bit of pay to win or you can get it from in-game currency. That in-game currency is at a huge level where in order to get that thing, you have to get a hundred thousand coins and you earn them one at a time. Like the, the levels for this, like are very much attainable. You could very quickly get a lot of the things and it will just build up and build up and build up. You don't feel like you're having to grind and grind and grind to get to the high levels. Because it's always optional, there's never that moment where you feel the hand of the monetization expert going, and this is the point that will make them die because we've determined that we've played it for 30 minutes and now we want you to view an ad, please. Thank you very much. It never feels like that. I I worry sometimes that there's there's something wrong with me. <laughs> why? I mean, we worry about that as well. But why why in this yeah. one specific instance? Because I think I think I think vampire the vampire survivor is a brilliant game. It just it hasn't gripped me at all. Yeah, but how long have you, how much have you played it? I played about two or three rounds of it. Oh, well, right. It yeah, just well. didn't grab. It didn't grab me. Nah, it'll grab you. When you reach a point where you get quite far. I can see how it could grab somebody, definitely. I think it is. It's almost like a Swiss watch. It's like it's been properly machined. And mm. I had no idea of any kind of ads or anything like that. It felt like I was playing. It felt like a treat to play a game for free that doesn't feel like it. it's for free, if that mm. makes sense. Yes. And I can see its addictive properties, that kind of hook there. Maybe it's just because I was playing it on a mobile device or something. But a bit like Marvel Snap, I just didn't, it didn't, that's fine. It didn't sing to me in a particular way, and I don't know whether it's just because it's a genre, it's a type of game where I I, I don't feel like I, I just want to sit down and play it. And likewise, I, it's not a game I want to play on the move. So I don't know where or when I would play it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, obviously, like I think that that's totally fine that it's not grabbed you. I mean, like you know, some of the the best games of last year that are games that I have zero interest in, right? Like, I just don't care about Elden Ring. Like, it looks great. I will never play that game. It might be worth putting a little bit more time into it, but but going into it with a slightly different mindset of this isn't a game that I play portably. This is a game that just so happens to be portable, but I am going to sit down and dedicate 20 minutes to it or half an hour to it or something along those lines. But it is just that repetition, isn't it? Uh, it is, yeah. but when you say repetition, well, I mean the last the last game that I played, the the round lasted twenty five minutes. That's one life was twenty five minutes. Okay. So when so when you say like, oh, it's it's that rep- repetition, yeah. But like early on in the game, I found myself when I, my experience with the game was that I was dying quite a lot. Like I would get like maybe two or three minutes and then maybe four or five, and then maybe 10, and now we're into like 25 minutes. And you still stayed with it after all that? Yeah, mm. because okay. you, ke- I kept going and going and going with it. Go and look at the unlocks as well. Look at some of the things that where you're like, ooh, actually, I'd quite like to attract um, orbs more quickly or 
build up my experience faster or something along those lines. Things where you feel like you're struggling and see if there's any characters that you want to get hold of that feel different as well, right? Yeah, yeah I was about to say that. If it really doesn't grab you after, I would say like another session of like half an hour or an hour or something like that, then yeah, absolutely put it down because the game is not going to be wildly different after that. But I think I'm just flabbergasted by it. It's one of those games where I'd like them to add a little option where I can have like the, I can unlock a quote unquote premium mode, which is basically just like a, a, a little hat in the corner somewhere that says, thanks for spending money on this game. Like I feel yeah, like I yeah. want to give them money because this is... Well, you could just buy it on Steam and just... I guess that, I could... I guess, I, I, do you know what? I mean? Maybe I'll just buy it on Steam or, or maybe I'll buy it on, on PlayStation when it, when it inevitably comes out on there. I think there is something in here that you would enjoy, Chris, because I find it an incredibly meditative game. Mm-hmm. It's great. I think, Chris, kind of the experience that you've had so far, I think if the game was just that, what you've experienced so far, I don't think if that's all it was, I don't think any of us would have stuck with it. No. Um, yeah. So your your reaction isn't kind of incorrect. And as, as we kind of talked about, it has these other components that get introduced and it is kind of like almost like um almost like an an onion of a game that you just peel back different layers and like for me obviously it's exciting for me because i've peeled more layers to the game like i i'm looking at it from a much further back point than you guys are and i'm seeing like layers below layers of this game that just haven't yeah. been revealed to you yet you're seeing the matrix I, you're I, i'm seeing greed <laughs> i'm seeing code at the center of every onion and it is it's just and it it's it's interesting for me just to kind of have have that knowledge and kind of it probably puts it a bit more in perspective for me that I'm seeing a much bigger canvas. And I love it when games do that. When it's so like I like I talked about Tunic before, like that whole idea of it feeling like a really small world suddenly expanding and expanding and expanding again. It's not expanding world hopes in this, but the what the game is getting you to look at and mm. getting you to do very much is expanding and then expanding again and then expanding again. And it constantly just makes you like, okay, okay, you've got me again. I'll come back for I'll come back for another bite. Do you know what? This is the first time in however many years that actually you've justified to me while we do this podcast. Why is that? Okay, go on. Why? Because I've been having my doubts, to be honest. Because <laughs> you've recommended me something. Like, I can see how, like, a listener might find this useful because... <laughs> Like I this for the previous like, hundred and sixty odd episodes, Chris has no, been no, a bit no, wavering. Well, no, He's been on the fence. I know what we're gonna, but I know what we're going to talk about. So actually, hit, but here it's quite interesting. I've played some of this game, but it goes back to what Sam was talking about: the joys of actually rather than going online and looking up something and saying, "Is this any good?" Yeah. Asking your mates, yeah. and mm. saying, "Well, actually, yeah, you just need to go a little bit further here. Give it, give it a little bit more." Yeah. And that to me is more useful and more interesting. Um, than any other format in which I could look this game up. So I am going to go and do that. Have any of you watched Ghosts? Yes, I have. Uh, Chris, you were talking to me about Ghosts when when you came over the other day, and it sounds dumb as fuck, but also like something I would really like to to watch. (laughs) Yeah, like I I put it off for so long because... (laughs) Everyone in my family was recommending it to me. And it, as you say, Pete, it sounded a bit too chintzy and a bit too yeah. saccharine and a bit too sweet. And I wasn't really looking for that, really. 
it comes also from the the people who did the horrible histories television show which i never watched oh it's really good yeah, yeah. yeah apparently it is yeah yeah, yeah. this Excellent. is like a, a more adult version of them working together doing a, a show um so it's quite a large team actually the actors are also the creators of it so matthew baines and simon farnaby martha Howard douglas jim howick Lawrence rickard ben willibond and it's a sitcom and I can't remember the last time I really started a new sitcom, I'm, I'm honest, really. Mm. Um, but it's got a really interesting premise where a character called Alison has just inherited this crumbling old mansion called Button House. And her and her husband, who has stupidly and rashly got a mortgage that is going to be very difficult for them to pay off, are stuck in this place. And they have this idea that they're going to renovate it and make it like a wedding events business. And unbeknownst to them, there are ghosts there that haunt this place. And they want Alison and her husband out. But then Alison has an accident, has a head injury, and then is suddenly able to see these ghosts and talk to them. And she's the only one who can see them and talk to them. And that's the premise of the sitcom. So you've got that conceit of different personalities thrown together in a location. Here, there's obviously a very spectral element to it where the ghost physically cannot leave this place. And Alison, through, for economic reasons, is unable to leave this place. So they have to learn to get along with each other. And I was like, okay, yeah, right. So it's just going to be lots of kind of like basically the ghost playing home alone on the occupants each week, yada, yada, yada. That sounds like it'll get a bit boring. And what actually happens is these kinds of moments where you learn a lot actually about what it is to live and the value of life and actually how Alison actually learns a lot from the shared wisdom of ghosts that have been here, some of them for thousands of years. And likewise also they learn from Alison what the 21st century life is like. So mm. she'll do things like she'll put the, she'll put the laptop up for them and put on like a show. So they all get together and watch a show together and stuff. And huh. actually, it is quite funny. It is a funny series. But actually, what, what, what makes it land for me is that actually there's some really lovely, poignant moments that are really, really heartfelt. And it helps when you've got such a talented degree of comedic performers who know when to not kind of just make everything a joke factory and to kind of pull their punches and actually lean into that pathos a little bit more. So just to give you this cast of characters going through chronology, you've got Robin, who's a caveman, but he can interfere with electricity. You've got Sir Humphrey, who's a headless nobleman, who just, him and his head, just keep trying to look for each other basically the entire time. You've got Mary, who's a witch trial victim from the Stuart era, who if any human walks through her, they just get the smell of burning, played by Katie Wicks. Amazing. You've got Thomas Bainton, who's a romantic poet, who's in love with Alison. And he's trying to serenade her. You've got Kitty, played by the fantastic Lolly Adafope. A lot of Taskmaster people, strangely, um, in this. Yeah. Who is just this delightful Georgian noblewoman who wants to be friends with everyone. You've got Lady Stephanie, who's a distant relative of Alison's, who is this ghost that basically at seven o'clock every morning, she jumps out of a window and hits the garden outside every morning. So that's Alison's alarm clock, um, essentially. <laughs> You've then got the captain, a World War II officer, an unofficial leader of the group who is desperately trying to hide his homosexuality. Then you have Pat, who was a cheerful scout leader, 
who one of his scouts shot him accidentally with an arrow through his neck. So he just walks around <laughs> with an arrow through his neck and he's really cheerful and he's lovely. And then you've got Julian, Simon Farnaby, who's a disgraced Tory MP who died in a sex scandal. So he constantly walks around with no trousers on. <laughs> and it, like Julian, Simon Farnaby's character can actually touch things um, so that they can interact with each other in the real world. So one of the greatest examples of an episode is where um, Alison goes on a night out, leaving her husband in the house alone, and he can't see the ghosts. So he just goes to bed, but in the middle of the night, they're getting burgled, and the ghosts are aware of it, and they're trying to communicate to him that they're being burgled and trying to help him without him being able to understand them. And it's it's a it's a really clever kind of premise for that. And every time I keep thinking, okay, they're going to run out of ideas soon, there's always something new that appears when you learn about each of the ghosts' past, how they got here, how they've also witnessed the people that came later, they were already haunting that place and they can tell their version of the events. It is just a lovely, sweet, innocent and heartfelt little package, really. I think it'd be right up your street piece. I really do mm. think it is. It is a really lovely kind of comedy. As we mentioned, they did Horrible Histories way back when and that was an absolutely fantastic, it was, a, it was like a kid's um, educational show talking about history based on the number of books, the Horrible History books. But they 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 took kind of responsibility from really creative with how they did it and used songs and you did all these kind of sketch comedy for it and it was absolutely fantastic and they kind of became really really popular. So when they left the show, they kind of remained as a group. They did do another show called Yonderland, um, uh, which for me I wasn't I wasn't a fan of it. They kind of it was a fantasy setting um, and the idea of kind of going to a fancy world we're using puppets and all that stuff and it, it didn't really work for me and then when this came along it it does it does seem to just really fit their style of humor and you mentioned kind of character like they're terrific character actors and I don't mean that in a sense of you hear people refer to as a character actor, which basically means they don't look like a movie star. These are people who like are fantastic at creating proper characters, like and the the the, mm. the way that they've chosen these characters and the way they play off against each other is is wonderful. Like you mentioned, kind of Mary, the the victim of the witch trials. Like she's my favorite character because her point of reference, because she is kind of uneducated and she's come from a period of time where she was victimized. Like is just incredible and so when you put that up against the the sex scandal Tory MP you get an in, a kind of glimpse into this world of if you've got these seven or so ghosts from different points in history and they are locked basically locked together because they can't leave the grounds of this house if they try they just get sent back to it if they spend eternity together what do they do and like what they do is they have film clubs or they Today we're going to have a talk and Mary is going to talk to us about the witch trials. But actually she doesn't feel like she's ready, even though it's it's hundreds of years, she still doesn't feel like she's ready, so she's not going to do it today. So the the scout leader is going to talk something about camping or something like that. And it's just so... The comedy is so quaint. It's not... There's no real edge to it, but in a good way. Often kind of it, when you say there's not an edge, that's kind of a negative. It's absolutely mm. not the case for this. What I One thing I really enjoyed and it and it struck home to me how well it's put together is i watched some bloopers i always like watching bloopers and outtakes and i saw some bloopers for the show oh bloopers are great and obviously when you're watching this you obviously you're seeing the characters of uh allison and mike the kind of the 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 two alive people kind of they're obviously interacting with all the actors and when you see the ghosts interacting directly with the humans kind of like it 
jars a little bit. So like, no, you're you're ghosts. And then you kind of your, your brain has to kind of switch like, no, 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 no. And that tells me it's working on kind of lots of levels. January 1st, every year, Chris always kicks off with his open world video game <laughs> that is going to last him probably about <laughs> six to nine months. Okay. Or 12 if you're playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yes, 12. That was a long one, definitely. <laughs> so uh, Sam very kindly lent me his copy of Horizon Forbidden West. Oh. Just bear in mind, Chris, that it's depreciating in value at CEX every week. Every single no minute. <laughs> no pressure, Chris. I did say this to you. I said this to you. I said, look, mate, I feel like I should be paying you for this because I'm conscious of the fact that it's depreciating in value. And you said, oh, no. I just want that on the back of your mind the whole time, me standing over you with a when watch. When you're questing. Yeah. 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 Time is money, Chris. Well, do you know what? I, I, I was made painfully aware of it, Sam. I've played about two, three hours of it, and I've just got to the titles. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I was already in the mood for it because you and I hung out, Sam, and you yes. said, look, Chris, you can, you can get your horizon fix without getting any kind of screen glare. So what do you mean? And boom, boom, on the table, you reveal from Steamforge Games. Horizon Zero Dawn, the board game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so so let's just, let's just, let's just rewind just a little bit. So Horizon Zero Dawn, an action adventure, open world-ish mm -hmm. game. Yeah. Yeah. Is now a board game. Yes. Okay. So what? They've done, I say they, uh, the designers, Sherwin Matthews. Um, but what they have done in collaboration with Gorilla is they've turned a part of the Horizon experience into a board game, which I think is which I think is very, very clever because I, I, I think there's other big, bold video game board games like like this, like Dark Souls and Bloodborne, where they try to simulate the whole sort of progression system and the whole sort of gameplay loop but quite cleverly what horizon zero dawn the board game i'll just call it horizon from now on because otherwise <laughs> life's too short what they did is, is is basically they've just taken the um hunter's lodge challenges that appear in both games and used that as the basis for the for the board game so if you didn't like me i ignored all the hunter's lodges in um, Horizon Zero Dawn and in Forbidden West even though apparently um, there's actually a really good side story with the Hunter's Lodges but they hope so what they were were essentially side distractions from the main game where you'd be tasked to hunt a particular creature in the world and then bring back its parts and exchange it and you'd go from quite small creatures up to some of the biggest and earning bounty and rewards from that experience. So that's essentially what Horizon Zero Dawn, the board game does, is what you're doing is you're settling down to basically take on one of these Hunter's Lodge challenges. So Aloy doesn't appear in this game, which I think is actually also quite a shrewd move because everyone would be just fighting over Aloy and one of the popular characters. So instead, there is one of the four factions, so like Kaja um, and Nora, and the others and you pick one of the factions so it plays up to four players you can play it um, solo and then you go on a series of escalating missions out into the wilds the wastes of america 
hunting down different dino bots until you eventually gain enough experience to take down your big target, which in the base game is a sore tooth. So the game itself is is quite a weird mixture of um, cooperative elements and, and competition, which again is kind of reflective of how the the hunter's lodge would work in in reality. You all go out and fight these animals, but really only one of you wants all the glory, which I think is probably one of its biggest downsides because when me and Chris played it, we really just enjoyed the actual cooperative experience, which was doing what you do in Horizon, which was tracking these animals through the these little miniatures, tracking these little dinosaurs through the landscape, figuring out what their weak spots were, popping out of the tall grass and hitting them with an arrow whilst you're dodging out of the way, knocking off some of their canisters so they weren't didn't have the they couldn't attack you in a certain way or or just chipping away at some of their armor so so they became less effective later on in in the battle. And it does such a superb job of actually replicating that video game experience. Like when you first set up your character, you even have like a little weapon wheel. So you have like a, a picture of your avatar as a card and then above it and to the sides, you have the weapons that you have, like a spear or a bow or a, or a little trip caster. So it even replicates a little weapon wheel from from the video game. To fire something from your bow, you've got to play an arrow card. You can't just fire nothing. So you even have like a, you know, a depleting um, stock of arrows, just like you do in in Horizon. When you run out of cards, that's it. You're exhausted. You're out of the game. Unless you craft and you can put some of those discarded cards back into your deck. Again, replicating those moments in Horizon where you suddenly oh go to draw an arrow and you've got to find a little spot to craft some more arrows so you can get back into the into the field. It's I don't know, Chris, like for me it really felt like it was picking some of the best mechanics in Horizon and choosing those to 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 make a ball game round rather than just trying in some way to leech off a franchise yeah no i completely agree like it didn't feel like a watered down version it felt like um no key key aspect of the game had been abstracted from that so very quickly yes we were leveling up we were getting excited seeing oh wow get access to this now very very much like that kind of the tech tree you get in the video game and that was really quick you got to that um you also do feel i think that this is part of something bigger. You can, you know, we were walking around um, a convention recently in Manchester where we could see the big boxes of add-ons that you bolt onto this game as well. So you can kind of see with this kind of that typical modular structure with these kind of miniature hybrid board game things that you know you could easily bolt on with you know bigger, bigger kind of enemies. Um, what I really, really love, one of my favorite things about the Horizon games is their graphic design. It's so clean and crisp yes. and it's beautiful. And those kind of that kind of like ancient kind of cave painting aesthetic fused with that kind of technology that that comes across here into the uh, into the board game. So it's a very, very attractive looking game as well, like in terms of the cards and how they look and the iconography of those cards as well in the art. It is it is a very, very beautiful game. And I think one that I think I'd happily enjoy continuing playing. I, I was really getting excited about mm. sticking with my deck and watching 
my particular character evolve in, in a particularly different way. And I think we we did say that there is a cooperative variant in the rule book, but you and I agree that actually it'd be better if the game had that as the default playing style because yeah. it kind of got a bit irritating because what tended to happen, Dan and Pete, was that Sam would take down this um, creature and then I would just happen to be right next to what it dropped and I would just scoop that up myself. Mm. Yeah. It was like the equivalent of me loosening a little jar and then Chris coming along and just going, and be like, well, I just took all its health points up and you just came along and just tapped yeah. it and then oh, stole all oh, the stuff. Oh, he was getting so peeved at that. Great. <laughs> oh. So peeved at that. The next time we're all together, I think that it would, uh, I think a game like this would be a real joy to play because I feel like each of you would, would get something from it. Like, uh, Pete, I think you just enjoy like the miniatures experience and the art and almost this video game brought to life almost that's what i'm most interested in yeah and i think dan you'd enjoy it for the same reasons because like i'm i'm i'd really like to get this in game in front of you because it uses a lot of board game mechanics that we go on about all the time like you know deck building and uh miniatures play and strategy but i feel like because it's such an analog of horizon i think you would get it instantly so like when you when you do a mission, you have like your quarry, your your dinosaurs that you've got in the center of the board, you take them down, you get resources from them, just like you do in Horizon. So you get the little metal shards, or you may get like a watch or like some trinkets, I think that they're called. And then in between each mission you go and see a merchant, and that merchant has stuff to sell, and you exchange the stuff that you found for better better weapons like it it's just deck building but because it's horizon i think that it completely circumvents that feeling that you get when you when you deck build because it's very clear to see all oh, the numbers are just going up like my armor is getting better or this weapon is obviously better than that weapon so i'm just switching this out or I just want some more ammo for my for my quiver. I'm not going to say that you're going to play this and then we're going to shove like, you know, El Dorado in front of you and expect you to be like, oh, I really love deck building now. And by the way, here's Magic the Gathering. I mean, you say you won't do that. Sounds like something you'd do. <laughs> like, I'd go, I'd, I'd be on the train on the way home and put my hand in my pocket. An intervention. <laughs> no! <laughs> but I think I think what, what, Sam, what Sam means is that Dan, like... For example, you, you'll get a choice of six cards at the end of a round, pretty much, unless you've like ranked up to the next level, and it'll be like another six cards, but they'll be more powerful. And even then, mm -hmm. depending on what route you've gone along your tech tree, it won't be six. It'll be like be three cards you choose from. So it's just enough where you feel like this is unique to me, but by that same token, you're not spending half an hour just trying to build your deck. It's 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 basically like I've got to the end of a video game level now. Oh, I've leveled up. Oh, what should I pick? Oh, I'll just pick that. Boom, back to the game. It's, yeah. it's that sensation. Yeah. And I think the four of us, it would be like, I think it would be like Lost Planet 2. Music to my ears. Music to my ears. Those are, those are bold, bold words. Um, I, I'm, I can't stop thinking about Sam's V pillow. And I was just wondering, is there a letter that would make a better pillow or is V the best letter for a pillow? 
Because um, I was thinking about an O. Can you imagine slipping yourself in the middle of an O and you're surrounded oh. all sides by well, pillows? Well, they do, they do have like O pillows for, for, for infants and for babies. Yeah. So, the, so those do exist. But that's to sit inside the recess of the O, isn't it? Rather than straddling yeah. the the O. I think what I think what what Chris is actually wanting to be is he wants an O pillow, but he wants to turn it into a Q with his body. Yeah. Well, no the the easy shape is a, is a, is the letter C. I mean, that's easy. Oh, I want a D. I want a D. Don't we all? You want a big D? Because I often find that I want. to a great big D because I <laughs> love uh, putting my head... A big D between your legs. Exactly. Um, I love to fold a pillow over my head at night. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so like I have half the pillow, I've got my head on it, and then half the other pillow is like closing my eyes. Like, so it's like a stapler. Like over my... Like, yeah, like yeah, a stapler. You could have... Yeah. But you could have a P or a B. Mm. Yeah. So you have the, the, exactly. the, the shaft of the P... Going running down your body, and then you can fold the the O part over your head like a little pillow halo. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I don't know where we're going well, with this, really. I mean, well, it's a dangerous yeah, road. This episode was presented to you by the letter V. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I think if I got an I, I feel a bit shortchanged because that's just a draft excluder, isn't it? <laughs> J could work quite well. Could just 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 curl just curl curl right between your legs and have a nice cuddle. Yeah, but you do that with a V. No, that's that's too aggressive, Sam. <laughs> too aggressive. <laughs> the angle's too the angle's too acute. Denigrate the V pillow at your peril because I guarantee probably by the age of forty or fifty we'll have <laughs> we'll be doing it. All have little V pillows going on. Won't be able to move for them. And they're great for your back as well. Great for your back. Mr. Motivator taught me this trick. If you, you should sleep with something uh, in between your legs because it takes the weight off your back. When you say Mr. Motivator taught you this, yeah. do you mean yeah. directly or do you mean as part of like a television program or something like that? He, he, he was between Sam's legs at the time. Yeah, I was going to say like... <laughs> I was like, I was like, listen, Derek. Yeah. I've got some lower back problems. How do I solve them out? After, did he, after he told you, did he, did he pull the, did he pull the duvet up and kiss you on the forehead? Good night. Like <laughs> what? How did this work? And surely that only works if you're lying on your side. Like I sleep on my front. Yeah. If you're lying on your side, so it would be weird if I had two between my legs. If you're lying on your side, your back is supporting the weight of your legs. So if you put something, if you put a pillow in between your legs, that that's supporting your, the weight of your legs. So your back can rest. And this was Medical Talk, brought to you by Staying In. A one-stop shop for all your bedroom needs. That's blown my mind. Yeah, you should try it, Chris. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm looking on here. 10 best knee pillows 2022. No, no, the internet's ruined. The internet is ruined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was number one? Actually, Chris, before we figure that out, what's the difference between 2022's list and 2021's list? Because it's it's a really competitive market. Yeah, what happened to what happened to number one in 2022? God's sake. So apparently it's not just Sam that does this and Mr. Motivator, or Derek, sorry. Um actually this is a this is a you know, this is something that is actually gives you really big health benefits. Um Google top searches. Why do I put my hand between my legs when I sleep? To take the pressure off your yeah. back. Next. 
If you'd like us to answer questions just like that, then please do send them along. If you've to... got medical related questions that you would like four people <laughs> woefully underqualified to answer. I think you're still overestimating our abilities there, Pete. <laughs> then stayingbod yeah. at gmail.com uh, can provide all sorts of non legally binding advice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Be careful if you're going to do it out in the open. So on social media at Staying in Pod on Twitter, mm. Facebook, or Instagram. But we do welcome any correspondence, pillow based or not. Basically, just get in get in touch with us. However, you do you do need to provide the subject line pillow talk. Uh, uh, otherwise, <laughs> mm. we will not respond to it uh, directly. And don't sleep on leaving us a nice review and rating and telling your friends about it uh, because (laughs) it always helps us out. Yeah. I I know I'm motivated too. So you should be (laughs) too now also. Um, Thanks to Steamforge, by the way, for sending us a copy of um, Horizon Zero Dawn board game. I mean, I I, um, genuinely do uh, really like it as a cooperative experience and... I think it will be a blast with us four playing it. Did I ever tell you guys about the time I found my wife listening to our podcast fast asleep? No. Is there a causal link no. between those two things? Was it between the legs? It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, I, I, she'd already gone to bed and I came upstairs uh, to get to bed and she was, she listens to podcasts to fall asleep. And I came in and she was listening to our podcast like, oh, that's lovely. Oh, I've helped to get to sleep. So I turned it off and over there. And in the morning I was like, oh, I heard you listening to the... Uh, podcast last night and she's like oh yeah it came on after after the one i was listening to how do i stop that from happening (laughs) (laughs) oh no oh no like oh Oh, you were listening to my podcast yeah how can i make sure that never happens again (laughs) (laughs) well make sure you subscribe to us if you would like this to keep uh, accidentally play while you're falling asleep (laughs) (laughs) But um, until next time, I think I think that's um, that's it from us. Goodbye. All right then. Bye. That'll do. <laughs>